The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Panel Discussion, your home for year-round comic book talk every week right here on the BICBP Radio Network. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts alongside, as always, Greg Norton. And Greg, welcome back to the show, my man. Uh, I know you had to take a week off, but it's it's good to have you. I know you got a theme pretty much lined up for this month, and I'm really excited to discuss it. Uh, But before we get into that, there's there's some news going around in the comic book and... And, uh, I mean, it's kind of the movie world, too, which is, which is what we're all about here. Uh, Greg, let's start in the comic book world with what you have. So, ooh, I got a cramp. That's what I have. <laughs> um, there's a bunch of crazy stuff going on. The big thing is, like, on the DC side, we've got <clears throat> Doomsday Clock. Is That series is ending. It's been going on for, like, almost two years now, I think, and it's been 12, it's 12 issues long, which is kind of cool. It's the uh, Watchmen DC crossover. And then we've got um, Hill House is being launched right now. The first uh, book from Hill House on DC Comics was released on Halloween. It's called Basket Full of Heads. What it is is um, Joe Hill, who we covered with Micah. We covered Lock and Key. Um, Joe Hill is the son of Stephen King, for those who don't know. Hill House is a completely exclusive horror comic um, section of DC Comics. So Basketful of Heads, I read the first issue. I absolutely loved it. There's two other storylines coming out as well from different writers. And in all of those stories, and this is just a start, they're going to produce more. Um, there's a story called Sea Dogs, which is about like uh, werewolf navy, <laughs> I guess. Uh, is going to oh, be released cool. in the back of every issue. So each issue you pick up um, is going to continue the story. So you kind of have to keep up with it if you want to, if you're interested in that story at all, which I like. I like that idea. It's smart. Um, so that's the big thing there. Uh, oh, there was a cool Marvel story that I'm totally blanking on right now. I had it too saved in my head. I was like, oh, I just read this and this is great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole bunch like right now that all the the different x-men stuff going on um and it's super super cool we've got the marvel zombie storyline is going on right now the new one um there's there's a lot i'm gonna have this batman just got in a cage fight that was something that happened oh this was the storyline i was looking for um marauders it is a X-Men storyline, but they're pirates. Oh. You heard me right. And the I like the sound of that. Is super, super cool. It is. Let me fall down. Um it is Kitty Pride leading it, which I, I'm a big fan. You've got Bishop, Iceman, uh, Emma Frost, Lockheed, I believe one more. Um, but it's following that that House of X storyline, um, and I, I just really like this idea of this like pirate 
they're they're going to Krakoa and all of that. So I think that's just going to be a really cool storyline. There's a lot going on. Um, this is something we're trying to do more and more of is this comic book news. Um, and there, there's so much. The Sleeper is back in the Venom storyline. Um, just There's a ton of going, going on in like Batman with the, or not Batman, the Justice League with the gods. Wonder Woman just got a power punch. Um, all these characters are getting really cool storylines. Silver Surfer just had an awesome storyline that um, if you haven't read Silver Surfer Black, I actually recommend it. I wasn't crazy about it at first. Now I'm start. I really dig the ending, and it really wraps up the Silver Surfer sto- like storyline really nice, and almost gives him a new origin. Um, and it's definitely worth checking out. I really like the way it wrapped up. But that is everything I have on this end right now. Okay, very good. Comic books, yeah, it sounds like some good storylines coming Ooh, up. And a new Hellblazer storyline from Constantine. Forgot about that. New Hellblazer Ooh. issues of comic books, yeah. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Um, yeah, so on the movie, uh, which is kind of more up my alley, uh, so just, you know, that's it's kind of my forte, I guess. Uh, a movie that might not have came to be. Uh, Ant-Man 3 was actually not really in there under any consideration uh, to happen, but apparently it has been greenlit and we are going to get another Ant-Man and Wasp movie, which is uh, good to hear. I'm glad to see Paul Rudd's tenure uh, is going to continue at least in another film. Uh, you know, cause I think the Ant-Man movies have probably been the most underrated, underappreciated of the movies. I agree. Uh, and they're good fun. They're just, they're just really good fun. So I'm glad that we're going to get another one of those. Also, Deadpool 3 has begun production, uh, which is big because, you know, this is – there's been a lot of factors. I don't think a lot of people really believed that uh, Deadpool, the, the Deadpool that we all know and love, uh, the rated R Deadpool was really going to work in a Disney environment. Uh, you know, and it is, and they're continuing what they started with in the X-Men franchise, which I think is a even bigger deal. Uh, so they're gonna, kind of going to acknowledge all of that. Uh, which I think is is great. I think resetting Deadpool would have been would have been I don't know bad bad for the Deadpool property. I guess at least from a movie perspective. Uh, but they are rolling on with that. Also, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier started filming today, uh, which is a cool thing too. I know I'm looking forward to that with Disney Plus, which actually releases this week, right, I'm November sixth. Oh, it's the twelfth, so next week. Um, so that's coming up really quickly. So, um, yeah, there's lots to lots to lots of stuff coming up, comic book and you know, in the movie world as far as comic book culture goes. So, so yeah, lots of good. Um, uh, on TV side, yeah, we've got um, well, one you just said, you know, the Winter Soldier and Captain America. So I don't know if you saw this before. In October, in the end of September, they announced that each episode has a twenty-five million dollar budget. Are you serious? Is nuts. Absolutely insane. Um, could be means we're going to get a lot of movie quality shows. And then on the other side of things, we got two things. Uh, Christ on Infinite Earths is just getting closer and closer. So of course we're going to keep talking about it. Um, but excitingly enough, 
there's a chance of a Green Lantern cameo in that, which is really cool. I'm super excited about that. They've teased it once before. Uh, and then on the other end, Green Lantern again as well, uh, with DC Universe kind of collapsing, which was a little bit of a bummer. We It seemed like that was it. That's the end of, you know, DC shows. But with HBO Max being picked up or picking up DC, where kind of DC Universe left off, we have the announcement of a Green Lantern TV show. Um, I posted about it this week, but I'm super pumped uh, at just the, I think Green Lantern was a hard hero to just like put in a movie. I think because there's so many of them and, and all of the, it's more of a cop style show or a comic book. I think you can do a really good do- job as a show. So I'm excited to see what like it is done with it. Yeah, I know you were super excited. You post, you you messaged me and you were like, "Hey Matt, did you see what I just posted?" And you, you probably sent like an emoji or something. And I went oh, to I go look did. at it. Yeah, you definitely did. And I knew how excited you were because I know how much you love the Green Lantern property. And uh, yeah, it's just it's a good it's a good it's a good great character. Uh, I think being yeah. on HBO, like come on, the 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 possibilities are endless with that. So that's a that's an excellent maneuver uh, for DC for Green Lantern property at all, and uh, and yeah, just that's I mean just excellent news. Just the more superhero stuff, the better. And it's it's it hasn't gotten to the point yet where we like we feel we're being overwhelmed with the TV with the movies, uh, which is a good which is a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm having trouble keeping up with some things, but like I still love it. So it's yeah. Fine. Yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be a wide spectrum of stuff, and you're going to obviously gravitate more towards your interests. That's pretty much what I've done, you know, to ch- kind of navigate through all everything. But uh, yeah. yeah, so so far so good, and I mean, the, I think the best is yet to come. To be perfectly honest with you, um, but all right, we are on to a new month, though. We are in the month of November, but of course, Greg planning the show out as well as he has. He has another theme for us. And Greg, why don't you talk about it a little bit? It's Movember. Um, if you don't know, uh, November is usually a time that we kind of, uh, you hear the guys growing out their mustaches and say it's no shave November or Movember. Um, and it's kind. it seems like a joke, but it has a pretty serious background. You know, Movember is something... Um, for men's health, it's supporting men's suicide. It's not supporting men's suicide. Oh my gosh. It's um, <laughs> raising awareness for men's suicide and then cancer specific to men like prostate and testicular. Um, and that's a lot of what November is about. But on, and on the more positive side of that, like for whatever reason, it's, I think it's ingrained in our DNA. Dudes are just obsessed with mustaches and it's like, they're the coolest thing to us. Um, yeah, so this it's, month, it's, it's like a right forbidden goes, thing for me. I can't even. I want one, but I can't even have one. I have one all the time, and I get yelled at for it, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm not I allowed to have. Mother. I'm not allowed to have one because my wife's dad has one. So, oh, that uh, is weird. I, I think <laughs> that is kind of weird. I'll be honest. <laughs> so um, yeah, so yeah, that's why I can't have one. I can see that, I guess. <laughs> but I am a like. Like we love mustaches. So in honor of that, we are doing Movember. It is mustache month. Um, Some of our favorite characters from comic books rocking the best mustaches they have. 
So you will um, you will hear us covering all of this. Also on our page, you will get to participate in the mobile, which uh, we are pitting the best mustaches in comic book history up against each other in a poll like um, in our typical tournament fashion. I think I picked 32 stashes uh, anywhere from Green Lantern to Pop Tate to <laughs> Egg Foo. Uh, not Green Lantern, Green Arrow, uh, all over the place. So you can go on and vote for your favorite mustache to win. There's some really great ones on there. There's some some uh, curveballs that you might not be expecting. Uh, I really dug deep for this. But yeah, that, that tournament's going to open up November 11th. November 11th. November 11th. That's going to be the start date for that tournament. Uh, so poll tournament. And our Facebook page is growing exponentially. So please uh, go find it. The panel discussion. Go find it. Like our page. Join the fun and get ready to vote on who has the best com- mustache in comic books. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, yeah, so we got some comic book the- themed, well, mustache themed characters uh, within comic books that we're going to cover today. Um, you know what? I'll start this one off if you don't mind, Greg. I don't at all. All right. Uh, so one of the characters I decided to choose is one that's very, you know, when it comes to comic book lore, my comic book history, a character that's been featured very, very prominently in, well, in, in my upbringing in comic books. And my featured mustache character for my first book is uh, Mr. J. Jonah Jameson. And the issue that I'm going to be reading is The Amazing Spider-Man number 25. Uh, I'm not sure the year off the top of my head. It says 1963, but I think that's just when The Amazing Spider-Man run started. Um, but all right, let us get into it. So Peter Parker is, I don't know, he starts off, he's kind of running around, getting some pictures of Spider-Man for uh, sell to the Daily Bugle, and he brings him in, he J. Jonah Jameson's like, ah, you know, I don't know if I want him. And he eventually decides to buy him. But as he's in there, a a man by the name of uh, Smythe, very familiar name. Uh, Yeah, this might be, I think this might be this, like the Smythe family characters, like first, first appearance. Um, He, he comes in with a anti Spider-Man suit. Uh, it's a, it's pretty much a robot and Peter Parker, who's want, who really needs photograph money and happens to be in the office, pushes JJ to buy the costume, just kind of like ribbing him like, yeah, go ahead, buy it. It's going to be great. Uh, knowing that he's going to get photographs of it and, uh, you know, just really pushing him over the edge to buy it. So he did, he actually rents it out and, um, the thing tests out the way it operates is that it, it's like drawn to spiders presence anywhere. And of course the first thing it grabs is Peter, but none of them, (laughs) none of them even like get like, even like think like, Oh wow. Peter could be Spider-Man. No, it just wraps it around him. It just wraps his tendrils around him. lets it go. Yeah. Or lets him go. And and that's kind of that. Uh, anyways, Peter's, I think he's still in high school at this point. And, uh, Flash Thompson's bullying him. He wants to fight him. This and that. And But J.J., um, back at the Daily Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson's kind of looking at, they're getting ready to test out this spider-slaying robot, anti-spider 
uh, robot, and it's actually kind of cool, but creepy. Uh, the way they use it, they have like some kind of computer, and they're on it, and the ro- the actual robot projects the user's face as like a screen. So I'm trying to figure out a good way to describe this. J. Jonah Jameson's face is on like a TV screen on this robot. And he's controlling it from the bugle. And he starts decides to unleash it. It's chasing after Spider-Man. Obviously, it's going after Peter Parker because it can trace it. But it's just it's so funny and creepy looking because it's just J. Jonah Jameson's head on this weird looking robot. I got to. Greg, I'm going to send you a picture right now. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 pretty impressive. I'm kind of excited for a mustached robot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find a really good picture. Okay, here it is. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much tailing them all throughout. You know, Peter Parker's college. Uh, hot, you know, pretty much hot pursuit, and it actually ends up getting a hold of him after like a back and forth battle. It uh, it eventually gets a hold of him. And they decide to, uh, this is so good. This is like probably one of the best, like possible J. Jonah Jameson things I could have found. Um, yeah, it, it chases them. It, it traps them. Uh, and they decide to go down so they can unmask Spider-Man himself, you know, themselves. And they don't get a chance to, cause by the time that they make it down there, uh, Spider-Man found a way to escape and J. Jonah Jameson loses his mind on that Smythe guy tells him to take his, his crap machine back, even though it actually did its job. Uh, and that's kind of how that book ends essentially. Um, oh, it actually ends. There's a little bit of an Aunt May thing where Aunt May finds a Spider-Man suit and he just says that he was just playing pranks in it. Uh, hmm. I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's the first of many times that happens in comic books. Um, but yeah, so it kind of featured really J. Jonah Jameson as the main villain of this comic book. Um, everybody kind of knows what, you know, he's, his transgressions against Spider-Man, why he wants to capture him. He thinks he's a menace, and he gets good sales trying to do it. And and yeah, this this was like the perfect J. Jonah Jameson title. Um, it was actually recommended. I looked, I looked for I was like, what do I do? Because I want to cover him. But I don't know what to go for. He's he's probably one of the most popular side characters in comics outside of like maybe Jim Gordon, uh, in some other ones. He's very well known. Um, so what are, what do I do? And this this book prominently featured him as the villain. Literally, his head projected on a robot, tail on Spider Man, and uh, and yeah. So it was a, it was a one issue thing, you know, real quick. Uh, there's no like extended storyline, but I think down the road eventually, you know, I think. This is still before like the scorpion, you know, costume, yeah. scorpion suit, and all that stuff. Um, it's just the beginning of it, and this—I mean, there's a lot of precursing, I guess, too, with this, with Smythe and the eventual Spider Slayers and, and all that stuff. So this is a really, this is a really cool story that has actually bigger implications down the road. But um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm going to get into the recap portion of it or the, the review portion. So the artwork was, it was very sixties. It was very classic. Uh, maybe a little bit more classic than I prefer. Uh, you know, the coloring's all very bright. Uh, some of the facial expressions are a little weird. Uh, I'm not overly fond of the art, even though it's cool in a traditional sense. So I'm going to give the artwork, I'm going to give the artwork a seven, seven, not great. Not my favorite, but it's not bad or middle of the road either. 
uh, action. There was a lot of action in this book. There really was a lot of suspense. Uh, you know, I was actually reading this book. And I was like, man, is this thing going to get Spider-Man? Like, how does he fight this thing? He tried to use his webbing on it, and it's so, like, greased up that it resists Spider-Man's webbing. There was nothing he can do to slow it down with webbing, uh, which was interesting. So he really had to just keep running and evade it. Um, but even then, the, the, the robot doesn't get exhausted. Uh, Spider-Man does, though, and it eventually caught him. Like, I was like, how is he going to get out of this? There's just no way. Uh <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the way the picture is, and the ending is kind of like the ending is kind of goofy how he escaped, but at the same time, it's still like it's still fun in a sense. Action wise, I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, a lot of suspense throughout, and there was some was some cool uh, fighting moments. Story, I really like this story. It was like J. Jonah Jameson, like him actually getting involved, uh, and it kind of you know it actually all started off with. Peter Parker trying to play a prank on his boss to make more money off photographs. <laughs> and and it ended up almost back, like completely backfiring on him, uh, which is which is kind of weird because, like, I've never seen Peter Parker like that, like, arrogant in a comic yeah. book it, to, to kind of do that. And actually, it was kind of pissing off uh, that Betty Brant. She was <laughs> she was a little upset. She's like, how could you? Spider-Man has done so much for you. How would you? Why would you do this? Why would you push J. Jonah Jameson to get this? And she had no idea what Peter was doing. Obviously, he had you know other intentions. But yeah, uh, story, story was fantastic. I'm going to give it an eight. Dialogue. Oh, lots of dialogue. Uh, any J. Jonah Jameson book, you know, the the where he's featured prominently, the dialogue is going to be great. And and like I I just said with the storyline, Peter kind of acted different, Not like a cocky, arrogant. Hey. Go ahead, J. Jonah. You know, do do what you got to do. Uh, there was some fun. There was some pretty fun dialogue in it. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give the dialogue a nine. And rereadability. When I picked this book up again. This was a lot of fun. This was actually a lot of fun. Uh, it was a decent sized read too. Uh, so that goes a long way in my score. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give the rereadability a ten. Or excuse me, a nine. A nine. It was. It was a good time. It was a really good time. Uh, you know, just start to finish, I was hooked. I was like, oh, what's going to happen next? And that goes a long way with me in comic books. So 40 out of 50 for Amazing Spider-Man number 25, uh, J. Jonah Jameson as the main villain. So that's my first mustache character. Sweet. I like it. Um, I just like the idea, like you said, of J- of Jameson kind of being on the other side. Like I was looking for a book for him too. And I couldn't really find anything like that. And it's cool that you did. Like I was thinking like, Oh man, I want something that really features him kind of in this weird role as a villain or something more. Uh, and I was not having any luck. So I'm really glad you found that. (laughs) It took a lot of work. I mean, it's not easy to go search J Jonah Jameson's best comics online and and see what they give you. But, um, no, this this one said this was the most prominent one. Uh, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it gets much more involved than this when it comes to JJ. So, yeah, it, let's see. So I got do, 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 my first comic or mustache comic book. Um, I'm going to send you the cover right now because it's one of the coolest covers in my opinion, and I kind of want it. Um, is Green Lantern and Green Arrow from uh, what year is this from? I believe this is from the eighties. It is one of their most like famous runs together. Uh, the storyline in total is called Hard Traveling Heroes. Yeah, it's from eighty three. 
Oh my god, yeah. I'd give this cover a ten. It's Holy crap. the coolest cover. And so the whole this whole storyline is like the two of them traveling the world just like on a road trip, kind of like facing injustice. It's a really cool storyline. Um and so it starts with Green Lanterns flying in, and there's this this guy, he's kind of like your typical like I don't know, mob boss looking guy, like big fat guy in a suit with the white, the no hair on the top, black hair with like the white stripes and the big cigar in his hand. Um, and there's a bunch of guys like shoving him around and like they got an audience and they're like, we don't like your kind around here, fat. So, and they like shove him to the ground uh, and GL jumps in and spins the one guy like a top, puts another guy in a cage and like saves the guy. And everyone starts throwing cans at him and he can't figure out why. Um, an arrow shows up and like, you kind of realize who you just saved. Like let, take a walk with me. And he walks him through uh, and tells this, tells him that this guy is the owner of um, this apartment. He's trying to evict everybody and he's going through and there's like an old lady who's like 85, um, a, a mom with like a bunch of kids. Um, she's African-American, which is actually important. And like, they get into a fight upstairs, like yelling at each other. He's like, I have a job to do. He's like, I've heard that line before at the Nazi war trials. Like, you might have a job, but you need to think first. Um, and there's this really great line where this older black man comes up to him. He's like, you know, I've been reading about you for a while. You help the blue skins. You help the orange skins, even the purple skins. Well, I'm a black skin, and why can't you help me? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is, like, deep. Um, and it kind of gets into it, and he, like ends up actually going into this guy's house and immediately going like right after him uh, and trying to beat him up once he realizes he's like, he made a mistake and he like takes out two guys and he goes to strike the guy uh, and he actually gets called back to Oa by the guardians. And like, he's committed no crime. You can't do anything. And he gets in an argument and gets in trouble for standing up for these people because the guardians don't see anything wrong. Um, and they tell me he has a real job to do, which is to save uh, Titan from a meteor shower, which he does pretty easily. Like he just redirects it, all the meteors. Um, and Arrow ends up attacking the guy instead. He takes his turn, turn acts like he's gonna like he wants a cut of the pie. Like from the guy, he's like, "Oh yeah, you can give me twenty five thousand dollars," and then turns around and like pins him to the wall with four arrows uh, <laughs> and walks away. <laughs> he get and so the guy hires. Um, two killers to jump him and he puts bullets into who they think is the arrow. Uh, and it's actually just a dummy with like a recorder in it. And arrow jumps in and takes them both down, which was pretty awesome. Like I like seeing his like smart side. Um, and him and Hal actually come together and Hal like uses his ring to make a disguise on himself. Pretend he's one of the killers and they take down Slade. He, he pulls like a, the guy's the guy's name. Um, he pulls out a grenade and Hal makes like, a green hand that kick that shoots it out the door with like, he flicks it out the door and then traps the guy in a giant mouse trap. <laughs> hmm. And he gets in trouble. And that's when they decide to go on this, um, uh, like a guardian shows up and he's like, I have a proposition for you. Uh, a guard, he gets in trouble with the guardians and another guardian shows up pretending to be a human and actually is the one who, um, tells him and Oliver to kind of go on a secret mission. And, save earth from these injustices and he gives them like a green truck and they all dried off together um <laughs> and like they're being watched but they end up 
the the rest of the it starts with them getting in like a big firefight and they're in like a old mining town that's led by like a crooked criminal and they have to take them down and it's just a really cool book uh and this is only issue one of i think it's a seven issue story um but the whole thing is they're facing like real life injustices not just monsters or not just aliens or bad guys like they're facing like um crooked crooked businessmen uh i think there's a one where they save a guy from like a, a drug overdose and all sorts of stuff and it's a really cool issue but it like these are the issues that I think made Oliver King Queen super Oliver King Oliver Queen super popular because he was like the Green Lantern's uh, conscience for a while, like teaching him how to like not be this person. It's almost like I feel like this book would be super important nowadays because it's almost like a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ugh like a commentary on the police force and stuff like that. And just, like I know the what you mean. I don't... It. Not the good, not the side, like, cause there is positives to it. Trust me. Don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but like just a commentary on, I don't want to say like just the negatives of, of just injustices in the world. And it's really well written. Uh, and it's not criminalizing anybody, but the people who hundred percent deserve to be criminalizing in the end, like you're rooting for both Green Lantern and Arrow, and he's like learning a lot, um, and ends up becoming like the Hal Jordan we know and love, really. And I, I love it. <laughs> Sounds like a great book. Yeah, and just that cover alone. This is this is an easy one. I'm not going to go crazy. Uh, this is a solid ten out of ten for me. It's just super. I think it's a super important comic book. It's not often like how many com- times are you going to pick up a comic book and go. Hey, read this to learn about the world. It's not often. Ten, uh, by ten out of ten, you mean like a fifty out of fifty? Fifty out of fifty, yeah, all the way okay. across. Perfect score. Uh, the like the best old school eighties art, like the the in its prime. I think it's really well drawn. Um, the dialogue is incredible. The there's all sorts of action in different senses, and just they do a really good job at like Green Arrow shoots a arrow through a guy's revolver to stop him from trying to shoot him um you've got like kind of the goofy but awesome green lantern like constructs he's using to fight like mouse traps and tops and um all sorts of weird stuff he uses like a pair of pincers to like grab a guy and like take him down um and it's just a cool concept uh and like i said it's not you this isn't something especially to me it's kind of weird seeing this in the 80s i don't I would expect this more in our time, um, but it's just so well written and I, I love it. It's such a good book. I would reread it a hundred times. I think it's a book I would, I would hand off. I think it's a book I'd eventually hand to my kids when I get older, like, you know, all that stuff. It's just such a great book. No, every, everything you did, you said about it, I can, I can feel it, man. I can, I can visualize it. Uh, so that's, you know, that's absolutely great. So yeah, that, Excellent title, uh, and it's good to hear that you liked it so much. You gave it a perfect score. Um, all right, I will get into my uh, second book for mustached characters. Uh, I decided to go with Doctor Stephen Strange. Uh, you know, popular character. He's got another movie coming out in a couple, jeez, uh, almost two years, which I'm super excited about. Uh, but Stephen Strange has always been really known for his facial hair. Uh, mustaches, goatees, whatever, kind of whatever. And even I, 
I've always enjoyed his awesome facial hair bros, uh, you know, relationship with Tony Stark, even though I, I wish they would have did something with that in the movies, but they never got to. But the book I chose for Doctor Strange is from 2011, and it is a it's a five five book uh, run called The Oath. Uh, it's a pretty cool one. It actually starts off it's relatively comedic, and it looks like they're in the Empire State Building, um, but it's actually it's a superhero hospital. It's a superhero hospital, and it's actually that starts off awesome. It, it's is the nightmare there. Yes. Yeah, she is the featured character. She's the featured nurse in this. She actually plays a very important role. Uh, but it actually starts off with Iron Fist sitting on a couch reading a paper. And this girl, <laughs> <laughs> this girl, her name is uh, Arana, Aranya. Uh, she's in like some kind of like, she's got like a spider t-shirt on. I've never heard of her before. She's a spider lady, huh? Spider lady. Yeah. So she's just sitting there. Her, her One of her glasses is all messed up. And broken, the side of her face is all beat up. Iron Fist is holding an ice pack over his knee, and she's just staring at him. And Iron Fist is, while reading the paper, goes, Yes, I'm Iron Fist. No, I don't know where Power Man is. We're partners, not a couple. And they're just kind of discussing, uh, you know, being up there, what it's all about, um, you know, how they found out that, uh, <laughs> how they found out, you know, how they found out about this super powered mini hospital thing. Uh, which is really cool. But in the middle of their conversation, uh gets ripped off, uh, gets kind of shut off because Wong is bringing in Stephen Strange. And it's raining outside, uh, and Strange is covered in blood. His upper left shoulder area is covered in blood. And Wong goes, my master, he's been shot. And uh, the night nurse comes in and says, sorry, Iron Fist. And basically, sorry, Iron Fist. Sorry, Aranya. I can't take care of you. This is way more important. But they lay. She brings in uh, Stephen Strange, lays him on the, uh, on the what do they call it, the gurney, uh, whatever table, and then Strange goes into his astral form and starts to communicate with, with her. Uh, it flashes back. I don't know who this person is. Uh, well, he's he's just called Brigand, um, but some somebody that's hidden in the shadows. You know, as he broke into the Sanctum Santorum. He was obviously paid to do so uh, and to retrieve a elixir. To retrieve an elixir. And whoever this person is with the shadows, it, it the build isn't the kingpin, but he's wearing a white suit. He's got a massive ring on his – oh, no, it's a coin. I'm not sure who this individual is. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. But uh, this brigand, he's bragging about how he shot Doctor Strange and – this guy's like, there's no way. There's no way in heck that you did it. Um, you know, you probably just pissed him off. Uh, there's no way that you killed him. Um, but he's like, no, I shot him. Uh, he hit him with a call it Hitler's handgun, uh, which is what he said. The the air the P fifty eight air fear. That's what he used to shoot a silver bullet at. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah, intense. And I th- originally thought it might have been like bullseye. In some kind of disguise, but uh, I, I have no idea who this dude is. But anyway, he drops this elixir on his uh, on his buyer. <laughs> I, I don't know on this guy's uh, table, and he's gonna investigate it. And the guy said, if he if it is what he thinks it is, he's gonna dump it down the drain. Uh, it's some kind of serum. 
But uh, Strange is kind of guiding her through. Uh, it flashes back to Strange on the on the gurney. He's guiding her through, you know, what to do, where the bolt is. Uh, they do a flashback scenario where it kind of talks about him, you know, gaining his powers. And she's working hard. Yeah, she's digging the bullet out of uh, pretty much of his chest. But then all of a sudden, uh, Wong goes, this is all my fault. You know, if, if I didn't sit, what did he say? I failed to defend you and this is all my fault. And your troubles began the day I learned of my disease. And what um, Wong has failed, they flash back to a couple weeks. And what Wong is referring to is he actually told strains that he has a form of cancer uh hmm. brain cancer because he's oh, he found dang. some medi- he found some medication and strange is like why didn't you tell me um you know i can save you like i need you i can save you and wong's already like no i've already found that my heir uh to serve you and strange is like no we've got to go um so they they travel to this place in chinatown where he's looking up some mystic thing where he can find some kind of serum that uh that might help out, you know, the situation. Uh, they get attacked by some, probably some Yakuza. Uh, Wong and Strange fight him off, and then Strange actually teleports using some kind of object. He activates it, and he travels to some other dimension where he has to battle this this giant monster, uh, which is given no name. It looks like a giant cat. It, it actually almost looks not. Now I, I can see a connection. You know those little – if you go to a Chinese restaurant, you have the little cat thing that waves at you. The, the lucky time. cat, yeah. It's like that but in like a demon form. Uh, he, he's got to battle it, and um, he eventually – he does. Uh, he, he does. He ends up defeating it. But then it flashes back to the current moment, and Wong's – you know, he's still suffering. He has a headache uh, from his brain tumor, and but Strange is revived. It's, it's getting a little crazy here, a little chaotic, but Strange is revived. Uh, he's been saved, and what he uh, he starts to continue his conversation that he had started when he was in his astral form, uh, saying that I came back with an elixir, that uh, it was the cure for cancer, and it's the same vial that the uh, you know they, they show the picture, of the flashback of him retrieving this cure for cancer, um, and it's the same vial that that guy stole. So, um, so basically what this, this person who hired that brigand guy is going to do is he's going to, if it's the cure for cancer, he's going to make it disappear. Um, but strange had it for some time. And that's how the book ends. Uh, it is, it's intense. It's like a really intense ending. I did not expect that, uh, by any means, like just, uh, the way it is, and, and it's kind of cool because I read through it, like I seen the ending, and then I was like, oh, wait, I missed something, so I went backwards, so that's going to help some of the scoring points out, um, but yeah, just a, just a great Doctor Strange title, it just goes to show his mutual devotion for Wong, uh, which, you know, which is lightly explored in the movies, he's only been in a handful of movies, not even a handful of movies so far. Yeah. But their relationship with the comic books runs so much deeper oh, yeah. uh, than, than is shown. But yeah, let's get into the review portion. The we gotta start off with the art, and it's probably I'm not a fan of the art style in this one. Um, there's some cool visual pieces. There's some really cool panels that are very like descriptive, uh, you know, just very well done. But uh, 
the art style I'm not overly fond of. So I'm kind of stuck on how to do the score, um, you know, with this. There's some some realism. And actually, Greg, I'll kind of send you a panel here. Uh, I think I'm going to roll. I think I'm going to do an eight. I think I'm going to do an eight. Uh, you know, it's the art style was just super weird, super weird. But there were some cool moments. So I'm going to give it almost like a uh, almost like a benefit to that action was uh, the action was really cool. Action was really cool, you know, through and through the, with the flashbacks and uh, the fight with Wong against the Yakuza and, and, and so much more uh, the action. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give the action an eight as well. Story. What a cool story. What a cool setup story. Uh, you know, that just the oath, it, it's really, I, I didn't know what it meant at first. I thought maybe it had something to do with Dr. Strange's, you know, source, you know, being this, mm-hmm. a sorcerer, this and that. Uh, and I was pleasantly let down, if that's the way. It, it wasn't what I thought it would be. And just a great story. Uh, I love their friendship. And it's, at, you know, between Strange and Wong. And it's obviously, it, it's obviously something that's, you know, that means a lot to them. Uh, the story gets a 10 for me. And I'm sure the rest of this this run is excellent. Uh, re, uh, dialogue, dialogue, plenty of dialogue. There was a lot of dialogue in here, uh, despite there being some cool action. There was a lot of dialogue, uh, and the way you know the dialogue helped push the story. I'm going to give the dialogue a ten. Uh, and rereadability, yeah, I already reread it twice. Had to make some connections. Uh, that's a cool thing. Sometimes when you're reading drawn out stories over multiple comic books. You have to read back a book, you know, read back a couple books to make a connection. Uh, this was nice that it happened instantly in one book. And I'm sure it's going to happen in some later edition, you know, later issues. But it was cool to, to see that, um, you know, have a flashback. You know, you see something at the end and you got to look back a couple pages to see. Um, just make sure it's all connected. Real tre- real nice treat. I'm going to give the rereadability a nine. Uh, 45 out of 50, 45 out of 50 for Dr. Strange, the oath from 2011. Okay. I, this is, this is the, in the, in my own words that I've been finding myself saying consistently on this show, let's get weird. (laughs) I read uh, for my second book, I read, a wild storm slash DC comic. It was one of the wild storm stories, um, but it is DC licensed uh, the authority and Lobo Lobo being my mustached character. Um, I pulled it in audible. And since I did a green lantern story, I was originally going to do a Sinestro book and decided uh, I didn't want to do two green land stories, right? away. green lantern stories right away. So I'm reading this Lobo book. Uh, and Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it starts with some the one female character having a weird dream. So that was that was weird. Um I don't know exactly what her dream was, but she said it was very good and it was odd. So uh Midnighter has the whole authority in the like mess hall, which is this it's it's a mess. It's just this weird room. There's like a weird cat, a half-eaten sandwich. This isn't your typical like superhero group. They look like a mess. They all look like they're kind of on drugs, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's the best way to explain them. The female characters, 
look like prostitutes. The male character's chest is exposed. And then they have a child with a bunny as one of their heroes. And oh. she is a child. Um, so they're talking about Lobo and that Lobo was killed, but he always keeps his word. Uh, and he's like, Jenny, where is Lobo? And she's like, well, you don't want to know where he is. And everyone starts fighting. And she's like, okay, he's looking for the Easter bunny. <laughs> what? <laughs> and she's like, and you're not going to like where we go. And it goes to Cutie Pie Critter Wildlife Preserve. And it's just a bunch of like cartoon characters with their heads chopped off and bullets through their stomach. And there's a monkey with his leg off. <laughs> it's, I don't know. And Lobo's sitting there with all of these skin rabbits eating them. Um, and he's just got like a, he killed the big bad wolf in this world, apparently. And he's got a wolf head on it. He's holding one rabbit who's um, completely skinned, except for he's got like pants and his, his head has fur and his feet still do, but like he cut like the tendons of this animal's ankle and he's interrogating them looking for the Easter bunny. And he's like sitting in a throne of things he made of the rabbit. And finally the rabbit like tells him, okay, I know where the Easter bunny is. I'm going to send you what he uses, what he's flying around him. Okay. Uh, there you go. Uh, and he flies off. He's already killed Santa apparently. And now he wants to collect money from the Easter bunny and he's flying a pirate ship. That is like his motorcycle attached to a giant whale that has a squid on the front of it. <laughs> and what uh, the heck? <laughs> <laughs> and then he mentally like like it's tell like or he drops the rabbit that he was telling he was gonna save off the back of the ship. And it's got a it says big weight, and attached to the big weight is a big bomb, Planet Whacker three thousand, and it says and the sound effect is big frag and boom as the, the bunny explodes. <laughs> um, and he's just flying and he's got a map, which is literally a face that he drew a map on, like a face he skinned off. Uh, <laughs> and these other people are still flying around and they land where they know Lobo is heading, which is uh, a world where the Easter bunny is Hitler, basically, and has like a Easter bunny Nazi army and they have like this advanced swastika and it's fast fascist rabbits. And there's like eggs with this symbol all over the place and like all of this stuff. And uh, it cuts back to Lobo who goes to these other guys and these two weird guys, uh, Cooter and Deeks who are attached at the hairline essentially like they have a comb over that's holding them together and then they have like it's just a body with two heads and a comb a collective comb over uh they're and they're arguing back and forth and like cussing and like lying to each other like one saying like you can't read this and they're just like i'm fluent in gibberish and lobo delivers a great line is i'm fluent in torture and maiming plus i am very patient like all right we'll we'll figure it out um <laughs> And he flies to where the Easter Bunny is and goes through, like, a portal that, like, it's like that scene in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy where their faces are all going crazy. It's the same kind of thing. Okay. Um, and it cuts back over, and Lobo's actually a comic book and a nonfiction bestseller uh, in this Nazi bunny area. 
the super, the authority gets picked up by the Nazi bunnies uh, and kidnapped or and taken to Bunny Hitler, um, where someone is like reading the rabbit voted most likely to succeed by a high school class. He's, he's introducing this Easter bunny and the Easter bunny puts a gun to his head and blows out his face. What? Um, what the heck? <laughs> and he's gross looking like he's, he's nasty looking. Let me see. Copy image. I'm sending you an image. <laughs> he's the nastiest looking creature. And, in the world. Um, doo, doo, doo. Oh yeah, he's something. Uh, oh yeah. He's got like it's like Ren and Stimpy style art, kinda sorta. That's interesting. Um <laughs> and they end up like, alright, we we've gotta fight this rabbit, and they end up getting into a huge fight with the rabbit, and all of a sudden Lobo shows up and he's just like a coin. <laughs> He just like pops out of the because of the thing, and they're like, "Hey, the Easter Bunny doesn't have your cash." And all of a sudden, he goes, "What?" And like hulks out and literally gets huge and just starts killing all of the rabbits and like eating them and like throwing them around and it's kind of nuts. <laughs> um, and he's like, he chews one up and spits it out with all like the blood and bones, and he just destroys this bunny world and then ends up uh, stealing the whole treasury and killing the easter bunny and blowing up half the planet and that's for the book ends and like the others the authority is just floating away like this is one for the record books yeah wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know what to say yeah this was a, an interesting book uh i'm gonna go right off the bat the art i'm not crazy about the art style i'm gonna give the art a four to be honest oh, um, okay <laughs> Yeah, and you see the arts that I, it's not my It was thing. weird. It was yeah. it was weird. What year did they come out? This is Fram. Why is this not another one without a year on it? Come on. Oh now I see that warning. Thanks. Um, it doesn't have a year and there's no ads in this one though. Tell me a year. I can't tell you. I have to look it up. On another area. That's all right. That's all right. Um. So yeah, action. I will give the action an eight because it was crazy and pretty interesting. Um. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, story. It is a very unique story, and it's a pretty solid story. I'm gonna give the story a seven. Okay. Uh, dialogue is pretty funny. Pretty out there. I'll give the dialogue a seven. Rereadability, uh, I'll give it a two. This isn't my style book. It actually, I just noticed it has a uh, suggested for mature readers thing. There's not necessarily any nudity or anything in it, but it's close enough to like, for me, that's not, it's like, eh, this isn't, this isn't a book I would be like, oh, I got to reread this every Easter or something. Like, um, it was really weird for a one time read. I was like, okay, this is fun. But it's definitely not my cup of tea. <laughs> um, I like weird books. This was not my type of weird. This was like a Ren and Stimpy or like super prison weird from like Adult Swim, um, which isn't exactly my thing. Uh, it was a fun book for this. I will tell you that. Totally the opposite of the first book I read. 
A hundred percent, like the opposite themes is definitely uh, not a book I would go, hey, this book will change the world. <laughs> this book might give you nightmares, <laughs> but it was I fun. I, it's a good time. <laughs> if, Weird. if, uh, yeah, if, if we didn't do a comic book show, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't tell anybody that I read this. <laughs> no, yeah, no. This would be one of those ones. I'm like, I'm just going to burn this and never even think about it. Talk about it, yeah. Yeah. So I've got something real quick while I'm thinking about it. While we're talking Movember, who is your favorite actor or character, if you can't think of the actor's name, in a live-action movie of superhero movie with a mustache? Go. Oh, man. It's, I mean, it's got to be, oh, man, this is tough. Yeah, you thought it was easy. Well, I, I do think it, I mean, I, I could go the, the very easy route and go, like, J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, crap, that's, I can't think of the actor's name. That's a good one. Um, Or Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, that's a good one, too. I'm in, I'm in DC World. I'm in, but those are both good ones. Mm. Jim Gordon? Yes. Yes. I'm totally Jim Gordon. Like uh, Gary Oldman in the Dark Knight series, his mustache was just so good. (laughs) And I loved it so much Uh, that he's probably my favorite. But yeah, J.K. Simmons from Spider-Man would probably be my other. Um, Like I know Tony Stark and Doctor Strange. Uh, Hey, Star-Lord is in that in that vote because he definitely he has a mustache. Technically, yeah, he does. He does. In the and at least in Infinity War, he and Endgame, he definitely had a mustache. But like Jim Gordon, I think, and Batman and Robin, or one of the Batman, maybe it was Batman Forever. I'm trying not to remember those movies too much. <laughs> no, I love them. But Alfred had a pretty sweet. Yeah, it was Batman Forever, or no? Which which is the one with Mister Freeze? That's Robin, right? That was the very last one they did. Batman. I think that yeah. was Batman Forever. Yeah, it was Batman Forever. Yep. Yeah, the Alfred in that has a sick mustache. He has. He does. I, no, I know who you're. Ta- I know exactly who you're talking about. I'm trying to remember who it is now. No, no. it wasn't Batman Forever. It was Batman and Robin. It was. It Batman was Batman and Robin. and Robin. Yep. I know. There's one. I think that's what I'm thinking. Now you're making me Google it so I don't forget. I just Googled the movie. Oh. Is that the one where he has the mustache? Oh, no, that's not the Batman, I'm, the, the Alfred I'm thinking of. There's an Alfred with a really good mustache in one of the movies, and it's going to bug me. Or I'm just wishing he had a mustache. Maybe you're wishing he had a mustache. Like in my head, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm, I'm pretty that. sure that Michael, that Michael Goh played him in every every movie you're right you you know who did have a great mustache <laughs> this is terrible do you know where i'm going with this i think so henry cavill it was so good they had to cg it cgi it off say that five times fast yep <laughs> um yes he did yes he did uh <laughs> for a great movie after that Oh yeah, I actually uh, haven't seen that movie yet. I've heard that was a good one. It was, it was. 
Um, all right. We actually have one more thing. Oh, to it. I was picturing oh, the 1960 series. Alfred had a great mustache in the 1960 series. That's that's what I'm picturing. Was I that what it was? It. I okay. found it. I'm sending right. you it now because he's awesome. He's like what Alfred should have aspired to be. Even though, don't get me wrong, Michael Caine is a great Alfred, but he didn't have a mustache. No. <laughs> no, he did not. Um, all right. I wanted to do something real quick here. Uh, I was sent this over the weekend, and I sent it to uh, sent it to Greg. Uh, you know, just kind of discussed it. I actually got to talk to somebody really cool. This is the, the, the good thing about... Uh, social media. Uh, a, a gentleman sent me this. His name is uh, Charles. Told me it was Charles. Uh, he sent me this his comic book that he's been working on. Um, or actually, he's been working on for some time. It's a it's a personal comic that he, well he, he's just a just a media like mogul. He's all over it. He's <laughs> pretty much he, pretty much. Uh, yeah, his name is Charles. And he sent me a comic book that he's been working on, and it's really cool. There's these like little, uh, like little strips, like four four panel stri- strips that he he puts out. Uh, I'm not sure the exact duration of you know when in between when they come out, but they're uh, they're a lot of fun. It's called uh, it's called Robots Adventure. It's 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 good fun. And it is from Flya Comics. F L Y A H, just so y'all know. Um, it, yeah, the art is pretty like crazy for it. I actually really like the art style. Yeah, it's 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 really fun, and I, I don't know. I, I like how it's a, it's a bunch. Uh, you know, there's there's yeah four panels to it to a thing. Uh, you know, it's it's comedy based. It's just a really good time. Uh, and it, the description is. <laughs> Uh, Flya Comics presents Robot Adventures, which is a story starring Nasari and cool robots who were created by the evil Professor Willy. The robots display human nature and both the introverted and extroverted personalities, with cool being the outgoing robot and Sari being the innocent one. The story is action-packed and hilarious at the same time. If you want to experience the Sari robot concept at the drop of a dime, this digital comic is a must-read. So he has the Sari comic, uh, Sari robot set for... Um, you can actually get it for free, and it's really fun. <laughs> I like it. It's different. It's silly. Um, it totally reminds me of something from, like, the art style from, like, Cartoon Network. Uh, it does have some, like, anime vibes and inspiration, but um, it's really cool. The, the little, like, the one robot... That's like a sign that says his different emotions. It's like right on his crotch. Yeah, the mad and shocked and in like a question mark at one point. I think that's sorry, robot. Uh, <laughs> and cool robots always in like different clothing. At one point he has like I can't tell if it's a bucket hat or a do-rag. I think it's a bucket <laughs> hat. I mean, he might be fishing. <laughs> I like this one. This is probably my favorite one. Uh <laughs> And and it's some person that goes, so you're cool, you're a cool robot, and cool robot, cool robot goes, that's right, and that person okay. goes, and you're a sorry robot, yep. Why is that? Sorry, you're not cool enough, and it just <laughs> it, it photoshopped sorry robot's face over, uh, over that one like oh meme. Uh, I don't even know the correct name for it, um, 
but it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. He actually sent me his website too. Um, this dude's got, like he does music and art. He's really really into it. Gave me a lot of good advice. I wanted to give him a shout out on here on the podcast. But yeah, flyamagazine dot com. You can go to f l y a h magazine dot com, and he's got all sorts of content on there. Uh, he also has a Facebook page. He has a Facebook page you can go check out. And let's see, where is, I got it right here. Yep. Music Art and the Robot. Uh, it's a Sorry Robot page, pretty much. It's got a tons, tons of people there. It's got a good community. Uh, go check it out, man. It's worth it. I love seeing people that are, you know, I'm definitely going to say this dude's ahead of us as far as uh, living his, you know, to where he wants to be. He's a little bit further. Uh, he's got, you know, big time Instagram follows and, but I love to see this at a local level. I, I love to see, I love to see people doing this and putting themselves out there. And he's just, he has a great work ethic. I love to see it. Yeah, I agree. Please. Yeah, it's awesome. I make, I'm, I was really glad he reached out to us and, and we're glad to be able to feature it on the show. Um, Unfortunately, he didn't put any mustaches on his robots, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. That's okay. That's okay. Um, next. Yeah, next next one. I'll try and get a mustache shout out. Um, but, yeah, go check it out. His name's Charles, flyacomics.com. You can find his pages all over the place. And, you know, sorry, robot. It just just there's so much to get into. Uh, you know, just little mini stories. It actually reminds me of like newspaper clippings. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like one of those compilations where the like um I just reviewed this on Retro Pop a couple weeks ago. Oh, I can't think of the name. But I mean, there's all sorts of what, you know, these newspaper strips, they have they have comic, you know, comic compilations and they just put all of them in in one single book. And that's what it felt like. There was like 18 yeah. so far and he releases every so often. So go check it out. Uh, Greg, anything to uh, say in closing? Uh, We're going to be recording somewhere special tomorrow. Well, when this is released. Yeah, It'll tomorrow. Be, the day we'll this is released. There tomorrow. We'll be recording there tomorrow. But, which is today. Which is today. This, but the episode will be released on Thursday. Because I know it yeah. takes a few days. But yeah. So we're uh, going to be going talking spoops. And comic books with the Terror Trio. Um, we are crashing their tiny room <laughs> tomorrow. And it's going to be uh, a whole lot of fun. I, if it was anything like having Mike on the show, um, we're also adding the craziness of Eugene and Drew. Um, and so it's going to be a, a good time, all five of us just talking all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the conversation is going to go all over the place. Uh <laughs> that's how Mike is. That's why we love oh, yeah. him. Uh, oh yeah. And I'm excited. I'm excited to, to kind of hop over onto their side and return the crossover, you know? No, me too. Me too. It's always good to work with other people and we'll get some love with it too. Um, but I think that does it for us today here on the panel discussion. Thank you so much. We had our bet, our best month uh, of listenership last in October. So I wanted to say thank you yes. to everybody for that. We took a big leap there. Uh, you know, just amazing. You know, we've been, me and Greg have been busting our humps, trying to get to a certain point. We, we're still ambitious. We still want more, uh, but this is a good, it was a good step in the right direction for us. Yeah, uh, so thank we you. thank you for that. But, but yeah, that does it for us here on the panel discussion today. We'll talk to you next week for more comic book talk. <laughs>